Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. We're going to go ahead and get started because we're already ready. So let's go ahead and do that. All right. I don't know why the music never plays. It's really. We have the mics on and stuff. My mic's on. All right. I'm only mostly disappointed. Okay. You're mostly disappointed. I have no idea why my the music for for some reason decides to not play. There we go. Okay. Let's go ahead and start with my first news story today on Before Coffee. Your heat wave fails to deter holiday makers as EasyJet demands boom. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is a sick, cruel monster. Belarus Red Cross says it is involved in the transfer of children out of Ukraine. Google tests new AI tool that is able to write news articles. Lioness believed to be on the loose in Berlin. And UPS could be on strike. And how will that affect all of your package deliveries? Today on July 20th, 2023 edition of the Comprehensive News of Planet Earth on Before Coffee. All right. Let's Uh, reset that. There we go. First news story is about the heat wave, right? Not only the U.S., Southwest U.S. is having a heat wave, but also Europe. Not all of Europe, because, I mean, it is warm here, but it's a manageable heat. I don't think anyone's dying from the heat wave in the north, but I think they might be suffering in the south. This is from Joanna Partridge on The Guardian. Holiday makers are not being deterred by the heat wave in Europe as travelers continue to jet off on their summer vacations amid booming demand for travel, according to EasyJet. The airline reported a record pre-tax profit of £203 million for the three months to the end of June, surpassing analysts' forecasts as the demand for summer travel rebounds. The record profit came despite continuing disruptions from the strike across Europe, including those by air traffic control managers in France, and planned industrial action by ground staff at London Gatwick's airport. EasyJet's rivals across Europe are also expected to announce strong earnings for the past quarter, as consumer demands for travel after the pandemic continues unabated. Growth in bookings is predicted to continue into the winter. The Luton-based carrier said it was seeing strong demand for its holidays, while bookings for winter trips have more than doubled compared with the year earlier. John Lund- Lundgren, EasyJet's chief executive, said that the carrier expected to make another record pre-tax profit between July and September, when it will be operating more than 160 thousand flights. He said the airline was increasing capacity over the winter. The carrier said it was earning 23% more per seat on its aircraft compared with a year earlier, while the cost of flying its planes, not including fuel, has fallen slightly with oil prices stabilizing. 
Lundgren warned of a potential disruption to travels by strikes, including an air traffic control across Europe and possible limited airspace availability. We are absolutely focused on mitigating the impact of the challenging external environment on our customers and flying them on their well-earned holidays, he said. Last week, EasyJet canceled 1,700 summer flights, primarily from Gatwick, potentially disrupting the holiday plans of thousands of passengers, blaming unprecedented air traffic control delays. More air traffic control strikes on mainland Europe have been threatened after a union at the Eurocontrol Network Manager Operations Center gave formal warning of strikes in the next six days, six months earlier in July. It did not name firm dates. Lundgren said strikes had not yet led to any serious disruption. The situation is stable, so it is difficult to say what it will be going forward. It's usually down to delays rather than cancellations across the European networks. There have been 40% more days of strikes by air traffic control managers across Europe so far, compared with 2019. Okay, interesting. So they're going on this angle of, oh, the reason people's flights are getting cancelled is because of the damn strikes. But the real angle is actually delays cause most of the problems. Even the dude who runs EasyJet was like, the strikes really aren't doing that much. Uh, it's the delays. We have to delay stuff because there's too many planes in the sky. So then you're like, sorry, you have to go for another round trip around the world because there's nowhere for you to land. <laughs> there's too many planes on the on the landing pad. But, you can uh, see more of the world as you, as you taxi and you yeah. get stacked up. You're free to go for your story. That was oh, just okay. My quick story. Okay, in cruelty news, um, this is from the New York Times article by Edgar Sandoval, J. Root, and J. David Goldman. Uh, for more than two years, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas is pursuing this increasingly aggressive approach to the border, sending thousands of National Guard troops and police officers to patrol the Rio Grande and testing the legal limits of the state action on immigration. But in recent weeks, Texas law enforcement officials have taken those tactics much farther, embarking on what the state has called a hold the line operation. According to interviews of state officials and documents reviewed in the New York Times, they have fortified the riverbanks with additional concertina wire, concertina wires, razor wire, by the way, it's not ooh, fancy name, concertina denied water to some migrants, shouted at others to return to Mexico, and in some cases deliberately failed to alert federal border patrol agents who might assist arriving groups in coming ashore and making asylum claims, the review found. Increasingly brutal, the increasingly brutal go-it-alone approach has alarmed people inside the U.S. Border Patrol and the Texas Department of Public Safety, the agency chiefly responsible for pursuing the governor's border policies. Several Texas officers have lodged internal complaints and voiced opposition. The reality of these Texas one area of the border around the small city of Eagle Pass was detailed in an email by one state police medic who described exhausted migrants being cut up by razor wire a teenager breaking his leg to escape the barriers and officers being directed to withhold water from migrants struggling in the perilous heat. The actions described in the email drew broad condemnation from the White House, from the Texas Democrats in Congress and from the White House. After the email, oops, there we go with this article skipping the whole page on me. 
the after the emails reported by the Houston Chronicle, there we are. If they are true, it is abhorrent, it is despicable, it is dangerous, said the White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, referring to the reports. We're talking about the bedrock values of who we are as a country. The Justice Department said on Wednesday that it was assessing the situation. But the objections within the Texas Department of Public Safety expanded far beyond one single medic. At least three other officers working around Eagle Pass, the main arrival point for migrants who are crossing, have expressed their outrage and misgivings to higher-ups about the actions they have seen, according to the, the correspondence interviews of state officials' brief on border response. It's not only officers describing the harshness of the new tactics in several interviews, the Times and Eagle Pass, about two hours south of San Antonio, migrants nursing wounds said they had encountered phalanxes of law enforcement officers along banks of the United States banks of the United States that were newly bristling with barbed wire, some of it underwater. They keep yelling at us, go back, go back, said Rihanna Gloria Dominguez, who arrived in Eagle Pass from Honduras in a wheelchair. We said we can't. My son told them she needs help. She's hurt. Similar scenes have been playing out elsewhere along the border, including the Texas city of Brownsville, near the mouth of the Rio Grande where state police officers have been standing guard at crossing points behind layers of concertina wire. The increasingly aggressive aggressiveness has created international tensions with Mexico because in addition to placing concertina wire, the Texas has deployed a thousand foot floating barrier of buoys into the Rio Grande Needle Pass this month. Mexican officials said that the barrier may have violated international treaties and could encroach Mexican territories. The Texas officials have blamed the Biden administration for allowing access with uh, whatever. <laughs> they said the they said that the buoy barrier and the Constantino wire were designed to turn people from risking a dangerous swim across the Rio Grande. No, they're not. They're designed to hurt people. That's what razor wire getting wrapped around your leg in a river that is moving is hell that's what you're doing to people that's not enforcing the law that's cruelty and also at the same time police have at the same time state police supervisors have been directed by their superiors not to alert or to port a patrol when encountering groups of migrants or rather to handle the situation themselves according to apartment text messages address the sergeants obtained by the times not their job they are state highway patrol not border patrol can you please push this message out to our troopers the text read referring to the station at the city-owned park by their national bridge they're not to call BP when they see group porching already in the bank. Oh, okay. Officers were instead directed to make arrests for criminal trespassing, an element of the Operation Bone Star. Uh, a text message was sent last week and has not been previously reported. Also directed officers to tell migrants to go back to Mexico and to cross the border to one of the international bridges. Many of the migrants are alive at Eagle Pass, passing through the treacherous new gauntlet, were left shaken and some were injured. Gliders Durant 27, a minor, uh, migrant from Venezuela, peeled off bandages on his right foot, foot to reveal several wounds. He said he crossed the river Friday and stepped in the U.S. soil. His three-year-old son on his shoulders and his wife following them. He felt a sharp pain, blood gushed through one of his tennis shoes. That's when I realized I stepped on a stretch of wire hidden under the dark waters. 
It was hidden under the water. Yeah, okay. Here's a quick little quiz for everybody. I don't know. I'm going to give the answer real quick, too. How are most people in this country, how do they get here illegally? Just a real quick question. You might know the answer. How do they get here? People are currently in the United States illegally. How did they get here? Most people. They got off an airplane and they simply oh, didn't yes. go back home. Yeah, yeah. The majority of here. immigrants come on planes and overstay their visa. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Or they just come here in a car and never go home, right? Yeah. They come here legally on a passport or a visa and they never go home. That's how they get here. They don't swim the river. People swimming the river are the poorest of the poor. The poorest of the poor. And you're treating them like they're not people. Like, they're, like they're invading coyotes. Right, like right. animals. Like oh, we need to get rid of these pests. Yeah. It should be illegal so, to withhold water from anybody on the planet. I don't care who you are. Should be that should be a war crime. He had to be dragged out in the desert without his wheelchair for 40 days without water. And just let him live like that. Yeah. Hey, your story. Anyways, typical America kind of being a complete... In- well, it's not even America, right? It's oh, one come state. Oh, come on, don't be... Don't be- it's one state, one state started. government being completely counter to everybody else's ideals and principles, because you know, at least in Europe, shit. Greece, Greece is just as bad. To be fair, Greece There's, is just as bad. But at least you have the European garbage. Union coming over and saying, "Hey, you can't do that. That's bad." Yeah. You know. So yeah, ever seen anybody in a wheelchair and you're glad they're in a wheelchair? That's Greg Abbott right there. Yeah, what a shitty, shitty, shitty person should be. I'm glad you can't walk. I hope somebody pushes you down the stairs. Somebody, somebody should actually, like, I don't know. Can you, can you just take him out of office for being cruel? Like, there should be a law for that. Isn't there not a law for that? Oh, another thing, Texas has the lowest voter participation in the country. I wonder why. A sickening, sickening state you were born in. Sorry, that's where the hospital. Well, was. I didn't live there, so it doesn't matter. That was the ho- also El Paso was the best city in Texas. There you go. All right, because uh, they're connected to the, they're more connected to New Mexico than they are to Texas. They're the only city in Texas that didn't uh, freeze to death during that that shock uh, ice storm or whatever. They still had power, so nobody froze to death in El Paso. Yeah, because they're not in the Texas power grid. Go on. Okay. Anyways, next story. Enough getting angry at Texas. Let's yeah. go look at what's happening in Belarus, which is another questionable state. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, this is from Associated Press. The Belarus Red Cross has sparked international outrage after its chief told Belarusian state television that the organization is actively involved in bringing Ukrainian children from Russian-occupied areas to Belarus. Both Ukraine and the Belarusian opposition have labeled the transfers unlawful deportations, and there have been calls for international war crimes charges for the authoritarian Belarus leader, similar to the charges against Russian President Vladimir Putin. The actions of the Belarus Red Cross drew stern criticism from the International Federation of Red and Red Crescent Societies. Belarus has been Moscow's closest ally since Russia's invasion began in February 2022, with its leader Alexander Lukashenko allowing the Kremlin to use Belarusian territory to send troops and weapons into Ukraine. Lukashenko is also welcomed as Russian, a Russian military presence in Belarus and the deployment of Russia's tactical nuclear weapons there. 
A report that aired Wednesday on Belarus State TV showed Dmitry Shatsau, the head of the Belarusian Red Cross, visiting the Russian-occupied Ukraine city of Lysyshanks in Luhansk region. In the footage, he says the organization was actively involved in bringing Ukrainian children to Belarus for health improvement purposes. The Belarus Red Cross has taken, and is taking, and will be taking, an active part in it. We will be trafficking children into the country. He didn't say that. Ukraine's Foreign Minister Dmitro Kuleba urged the International Criminal Court to issue the arrest warrant for Shatsau, saying that he has publicly confessed the crime of unlawful deportation of children from occupied areas of Ukraine. The International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, which brings together 191 national organization, organizations, said it contacted the Belarus Red Cross to express its grave concern and to advise it stop any similar activity in the future. Last month, Belarusian opposition Activist Pavel Latushka said he had provided the ICC with the material allegedly detailing the forced transfer of 2,100 Ukrainian children from at least 15 Russian-occupied cities to Belarus with Lukashenko's approval. Minsk has angrily rejected the allegations. In May, the Ukrainian Prosecutor's General's Office announced an investigation into the forced transfers. Yeah, you can't ask children, do you want to go to Belarus? I don't know what the hell that means. Hey, you want to leave? Yeah, I'd like to go on a vacation. They don't know they're going on a vacation. You want to do they, think, they don't know it's, it's a permanent. Country. Yeah, they have no idea it's a permanent settlement. Where's my mom? Oh, no, she's back there. Huh? When can I see my mom? Never. Because you're now a uh, ward of the state. Belarusian authorities have confirmed hosting more than a thousand children aged 6 to 15 from Russian-held parts of Ukraine for health reasons. The first group of 350 children arrived in April, officials said, without providing further details. Shatsau from the Belarus Red Cross said he was working with a state-backed charity foundation to make the children forget the horrors of war and just rest, feel there's an island of happiness, and also their parents, and also their lives, and just brainwash them to be pro-Russian at this point, you know? Uh, look what Russia did for you. Aren't they great? Now go Get back to Ukraine and then finger. we can have an entire movement of pro-Russians there because all these children are basically brainwashed to believe Russia is the motherland. Oh, great. What a... That's what they're doing. I I will... Freaking... I don't know what I'll do. If this happens in like 15 years and all these children growing up, oh, there's a emerging pro-Russian group in Ukraine. I'll be like, hmm... I wonder where they came yeah. from. This right. human trafficking ring. Education. Yeah. The Geneva based umbrella organization, the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Cross Society, said it had learned about Shatzel's visit to Donbass during the media. Through the media, it had referred to the issue of its compliance committee with investigations any alleged breaches of integrity. These actions risk damaging the trust of our work in supporting communities in need, whoever they are, and whichever side of the front line they are on, the Federation said in a statement sent to Associated Press. It stressed that the Belarus Red Cross chief doesn't speak on behalf of the Federation, and his statements do not represent our views. Opposition activist Latushka, who used to be the 
Top official in Lukashenko's government insists that taking Ukrainian children to Belarus is illegal and violates international norms. He has called on the ICC to launch a probe at the some of the children who are under the guardianship of the Ukrainian state, including orphans, children with disabilities, and those whose parents are stripped of parental rights. We have evidence that after being taken to Belarus, some Ukrainian children ended up in Russia, which must become a subject of international probe. Latushka told the Associated Press. In March, the ICC issued warrants for both Putin and his commissioner for children's rights, Maria Lvova Bolova. Judges in the, U the Hague said they found reasonable grounds to believe that the two were responsible for the war crimes of unlawful deportation of children, unlawful transfer of children from occupied areas of Ukraine to Russia. Moscow's angrily rejected the move. Yeah, the children just uh, disappeared and went nowhere. European Parliament numbers on Tuesday called the ICC to consider a similar arrest warrant for Lukashenko. So, we're just going to arrest world leaders. I think they should also put out a, a arrest warrant for uh, Abbott for cruel yeah, treatment of uh, of refugees. And, uh... <laughs> and Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis. Oh, sorry. And, and him as well. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's in my story. Children are being abducted into countries they don't belong without any guardianship except for probably some brainwashing, I would expect. Yep. But let's get all outraged about somebody wearing a nose ring or something. Google tests AI tool that is able to write news articles in a in a story concerning lazy reporting, I suppose. The product pitch this is from the New York Times also. This is from Benjamin Mullen and Nico Grant. Google is testing a product that uses artificial intelligence technology to produce news storage, pitching it to news organizations, including New York Times, The Washington Post, and The Wall Street Journal. According to three people familiar with the matter, the tool known internally by the working title Genesis, I know a rock band by that name, can take, the, take in information, details of current events, for example, and... Generate news content, the people said. Generate news content, huh? Just make up a story, the people said. <laughs> Generate news content. Speaking on the condition of having discussed the product, one of these three people familiar with the product said that Google believed it could serve as a kind of personal assistant for journalists, automating some tasks to free up time for others, and that the company saw it as responsible technology could help sheer, steer, steer the publisher industry away from the pitfalls of generative AI. Some executives who saw Google's pitch described it as unsettling, as asking not to be identified and discussing a confidential matter. Two people said it seemed to be take for granted that the effort that went into producing accurate and artful news stories. Jen Kreider, a Google spokeswoman, said in the statement that in partnership with news publishers, especially small, smaller publishers, we are in the early stages of exploring ideas to potentially provide AI-enabled tools to help their journalists with their work. Quite simply, these tools are not intended to and cannot replace the essential role journalists have in reporting, creating, and fact-checking their articles, she said. Instead, they can provide options for headlines and other writing styles. Okay. What what style do you want your son? Uh, headline style. I don't know. A news course statement said in a statement, we have excellent relationship with Google and we, we appreciate Sundar Pichas long-term commitment to German. News Corps runs Fox News and they're about interested in accuracy as they are interested in... They're more interested in their profit margins than they are in accuracy. Let's put it that way. Times journalists are not allowed to have any 
direct financial stake in companies that are covered. This is a disclaimer from the Times. If this technology can deliver factual information reliably, journalists should use the tool, said Mr. Jarvis, director of the Tao Knight Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism in the City University of New York. Boy, that was a mouthful. <laughs> on the other hand, is misused by journalists and news organizations on topics that require nuance and cultural understanding, then it could damage credibility not only the tool, but of the news organizations that use it. News organizations around the world are grappling with order to use artificial intelligence tools in their newsrooms. Many, including the Times, NPR, Insider, have notified employees that they extend the explore potential uses of AI to see how it might be responsibly applied to the high-stakes realm of news where seconds count and accuracy is paramount. Uh, how does seconds count in news? I'm so confused by that. I think accuracy counts. Seconds do not count. I don't even understand that logic. But Google, but Google's new tool is sure to spur anxiety too among journalists that have been writing their own articles for decades. Some organizations, including the Associated Press, have long used AI to generate stories about matters including corporate earnings reports, but they remain a small fraction of the services articles compared with those by other journalists. So that's another tool that they can use, and against re-emphasizing that newspapers are failing and failing badly. Your story. Well, not good thing to hear, but also uh, who knows what will happen and, because it might just be bad. People are yeah. people are, are people getting lazier. That's what's happening here. We don't want to pay anybody to do anything. We want to pay the robot to do it. Important to remind everybody, our content is 100% human generated. <laughs> I am, I not, am a not a robot yet. Okay. We're not androids. We are not. Uh, short news story here from Germany from Phil Philip Oltermann in Berlin. Residents on the southwestern outskirts of Berlin are being urged to stay indoors after overnight sightings of loose and dangerous animals suspected to be escaped lioness. Rodenberg police advise people living in the districts of Klein Machnau and Stadsdorf and Teltau on the borders of German capital to refrain from walking in the woods and to keep pets or farm animals indoors on Thursday. Nurseries were allowed to open but were urged to avoid letting children play outdoors. Authorities are using helicopters to track down a big cat, which police believe was resting in a wooded area. A veterinarian and two armed hunters were on site and under orders to either stun or shoot dead the animal. Officials in the district of Postdam, Miltelmark said, Around midnight, we received a notification that we couldn't believe, the Brandenburg police spokesperson Daniel Keep told the broadcaster RBB. Two passerbyers spotted an animal chasing after another. One was a wild boar, and the other appeared to be a big cat, a lion. The two men recorded a video on their phones, and even experienced police, even experienced police officers had to confirm that they were probably dealing with a lion. Fire services in Brandenburg said the large animal was presumably a lioness. However, the director of the circus in Teltau area told local media he was not aware of any lions being held in a circus or private zoos in the area and said the animal could be misidentified as a Caucasian shepherd dog. If it's a lion, I'll eat a broom, Michael Rogel <laughs> told Taka Spiegel newspaper. 
Police said that they had not been informed of any lion escape in the area. Neither an animal park or zoo nor circus in missing such an animal, a spokesperson said. So where did the lion come from? Does somebody illegally own a, a lion and it escaped? It killed his oh, owner what? and now it's killing the local neighborhood dogs. I don't know. Guess we'll Maybe find out what happened with this story because it's just random and short, but there you go. There's a lion in Germany. Watch out. You're a lion. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm lying. Sorry. This is April Fool's joke. Ah, uh, it's just bad right. fun day. It's bad fun day. Maybe it isn't. But let's say, okay, today, then labor news, UPS on strike. Well, not quite on strike. This is from usatoday.com, and the writer's name is not shown immediately. So, well, maybe you'll find it later. A looming UPS strike. Could be bad news for online shoppers and small businesses. What about Amazon, the online retail giant that ships thousands of packages each week? Despite the threat of UPS work stoppage, Amazon spokesperson Steve Kelly said the company does not expect a significant impact on customer deliveries, as most of the company's orders are processed in its own network. I was about to say that Amazon shit. <laughs> I order packages from Amazon. I get them like five minutes later. It's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Wait outside the door? Amazon does not deliver a portion of its package does deliver a portion of its packages through UPS, but uses but its use of the company has been waning. So I'm not sure why they're getting the Amazon angle only. While Amazon is expected to fare better than smaller retails and U, UPS teams are strike, logistics experts warn that some Amazon deliveries may take longer in rural areas that rely more heavily on UPS. Others say the strike could influence union organization efforts among Amazon delivery drivers. Just in general, the e-commerce space, people need to be expecting more delivery delays, says Jason Miller, interim chairperson for the Department of Supply Chain Management at Michigan State University. Even with Amazon, even for folks who get Amazon deliverables from the post office, there could be some delays. Of the 8 billion parcels shipped by Amazon last year, 60% were sent through Amazon's logistics network, according to the shipping technology Pitney Bowes. At least 40%, or 3.2 billion packages, shipped by other characters. About 28% was shipped by the U.S. Postal Service, and 8% by UPS, according to Pitney Bowes. So again, we're only going after the Amazon angle here for some reason. And they're only shipping 8%. While UPS 160,000 non-union employees are expecting to work during this strike, work stoppage from its 340,000 Teamsters members means that the company would be able to handle just a fraction of the nearly 25 million packages it typically delivers daily. Competitors like, like FedEx and Postal Service can also see delivery time slow if carriers get inundated with additional demand for UPS customers. Amazon has a lot more ability to move orders than around their network, said Greg Zegras, Executive Vice President of Pitney Bowes. That said, they rely pretty heavily on a combination of USPS and UPS. That could affect delivery times for Amazon shoppers. And again, we're doing only the Amazon angle of the story for some reason. This seems like a weird angle to be kind of, the, the, does the headline say Amazon? I guess it is, it is Amazon. So we're gonna go on and on about how the Teamster strike is affecting Amazon as delivery drivers, but they're kind of really repeating themselves. And uh, 
More labor, more labor unrest in the United States. Actors on strike, writers on strike. Brown trucks are going to stop blocking traffic everywhere. And boy. It's the only solution now because if we just stop working, then maybe the people who get all the money will be like, oh shit, we needed those guys to make the money. No. We save. We we got to save a general strike for when fascism takes over. And when the fascists go, hey, why nobody's going to work? And we go, goddamn right, we ain't. <laughs> we are I'm no sorry. longer getting paid. They're forcing us to work sorry. now. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not working for fascists. Okay. I'll start first. In oh. culture news, let's review how you can make your venues more fat friendly and spare a lot of pain. This is from Sophie Hagen. On the Guardian. I have to call places before I visit them. I never know if I should say, I'm fat, a term I embrace as it's technically correct and not a derogatory word, or if I should go over something less tension provoking like, a larger person, or plus sized. Most of the time I just for, I'm calling because I would love to come and see a show at your venue, and I was wondering if you could let me know the sizing of your seats, it's just that I need to know if my butt can fit in them. <laughs> Most of the time, I... Oh, sorry. Then a few things can happen. I once waited for 10 minutes on the phone while an incredibly lovely person from Regent Street Cinema went to measure the seats for me. 41 centimeters, she announced when she came back to the phone. I then asked if she could accommodate me in case my butt was wider. It is. We can get you a chair from the bar and place it on the front row, she suggested. I sighed with relief and my shoulders relaxed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sometimes the customer service agents just say the seats are really narrow. There's nothing we can do. So if I'm unable to fit into your seats, I just can't go? Exactly. That sucks. I love stand-up. I love musicals. I just want to give you my money and have a nice night without having to squeeze myself into a seat that crushes my hip bones for three hours and cuts off all my blood circulation to my legs. I hate having to make these phone calls, and I have to spend the majority of my life looking at photos of the inside of restaurants, cinemas, and trains, etc., analyzing each detail to try to make out if I'll leave there with any bruises. It would be much easier if the information was readily available. So, if you work at theater, cafe, hairdresser, or any venue where there are chairs and people, you would like to provide a more fat-friendly space, here are some of the stuff you can do. Put seat measurements on your website. You know that accessibility part of your website? That's an excellent place for a section you can call our chairs. Like the stand did recently for its venues in Glasgow, Edinburgh, and Newcastle. The following is particularly important. Width? Depth? Do the chairs have armrests? Are the chairs freestanding or tied to another chair? Do the chairs have a weight limit? If some chairs are more accessible, how can we request, request them? If you really want a gold star on fat accessibility, you can include photos of the various seats you have. Provide alternatives. The next step is to let us know what your pin options are. If we see your seat dimension and realize we can't fit in your seats, Monkey Barrel, which is where I do most of my shows in Edinburgh, provides two alternatives. Email ahead of time or speak to a member of staff when you arrive. They have a number of sturdy, wide seats available. It is important to note, if there is no alternative, please make that information clear. I know it probably sucks to have to write the equivalent of, you're fat, you're not welcome here, but it really spares us a lot of pain and humiliation to know this before you arrive and find out for ourselves. Make sure your staff knows about this issue. 
They have to know that there might be fat people coming to their show. Who will ask for accessible seats? When I called the theater and was told that I couldn't come to see a show, I ended up calling another line to go and got to speak to another person. This person informed me that their box seats had no armrests and were freestanding, so I could book one of them. I really wish the first person I spoke to had known this. It is not straightforward. There are unfortunately still people who feel shame when it comes to their bodies. It's not a case of walking up to a fat person and shouting, I see you are fat. Would you like a gigantic chair? It's just that about being mindful and informed. I love doing and watching shows at Phoenix Arts Club because I know and trust the staff will always be respectful and inclusive. When I toured my last stand-up show, I only included venues that had said yes to permanently adding seat dimensions to their website. This means that there are now at least 50 venues all over the UK with this information available. What surprised me is how willing most venues were. They were grateful to be made aware of the issue. They asked what else they could do. That gave me hope. In a perfect world, all venues would be completely accessible to everybody. This is just a baby step on a way to something better. Sophie Hagen is a comedian and author. Her new show, Banglord, is at Monkey Barrel Edinburgh from the 3rd to the 27th of August. So there you go. She's fat and she's proud. And also she just wants to fucking sit down, so give her a chair. <laughs> All right. Wait, there's fat people in Europe? Where? The UK is famously more, more obese than America. Famously oh, okay. more obese right. than America, yeah. Okay, okay. UK we're talking, all right. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it. On to the state history. All right. The state history. 1402. The forces of Ottoman Sultan Bayezid I were defeated by those of Central Asian ruler Timur in the Battle of Ankara, resulting in the collapse of Bayezid's empire. That happened on July 20th. Moon landing happened on July 20th, pretty sure, too. I'm not sure it's on this list, but it better be. In 1877, the Siege of Plevin. The Siege of Plevin began in the Russo-Turkish War of 1877-78. In more labor news, in 1894, the Pullman Strike, a widespread railroad strike in the United States, ended shortly after President Grover Cleveland ordered federal, federal troops to Chicago. Good old Grover. We need another president named Grover. In 1917, Prince Georgi Yaganovich Lovov resigned his post as Prime Minister of Russia's provisional government following July Day's demonstration. Also in 1917, the Corfu Corfu Declaration was issued calling for the establishment of a unified Yugoslav state following World War I. In 1944, during World War II, two German military leaders attempted to assassinate Adolf Hitler in the July plot, and they failed, unfortunately. In 1968, at Chicago Soldier Field, the first Special Olympics began as some 1,000 athletes, all of whom had intellectual disabilities, participated. And no, Donald Trump wasn't there. In 1976, the Viking one lander touched down on the Christ Planitia on Mars. So the Viking one lander landed in 1976. We landed on Mars. We've been on Mars since 1976. Think about that. 2013, wow. American journalist Helen Thomas, who broke through a number of various women reporters, was known especially for her coverage of the U.S. presidents, died at the age of 92. 
And the featured event is, of course, I brought up earlier, the moon landing on this day in 1969. The Eagle Lunar Landing Module carrying U.S. astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon. And several hours later, Neil Armstrong became the first person to set foot on the surface. And the featured biography, Sir Edmund Hillary, famous explorer from New Zealand, was born on this day in 1919. In 1980, Giselle Bunchen, Brazilian moderate, was born. In 1966, Enrique Peña Nieto, president of Mexico, was born. In 1947, Carlos Santana, American musician, was born. In 1938, Natalie Wood, American actress, was born. And recently deceased Cormac McCarthy, American author, was born on this day in 1933. And what day is it? What day is it? On July 20th? July 20th is many days. It is National Lollipop Day. Hey. It is National, <laughs> National Moon Day. So not the kind where you drop your pants. The kind that's up in the sky. Okay. okay. Just to be sure. Don't be dropping your pants on National Moon Day. Unless that's later this summer. Hopefully in the summer. You don't do it in the winter. <laughs> Not in the winter. World, <laughs> World Jump Day is July 20th. So jump, try to touch the moon with your lollipop. And National Fortune Cookie Day. And this fortune says you will meet somebody who is not... Nah, I can't read it. All right. International Chess Day is today. And did you know that July 20th is Get to Know Your Customers Day? So follow them home. National President <laughs> National Pennsylvania Day, July 20th. So it's National Pennsylvania Day. Get to know your customers, play chess, jump at the moon, and lick your lollipop. You're... That's it. All right. That has been me here from... Oh, let me fix this. Forgot where you were. Are you working? Yes. There we go. You All right. Where you that were has or been who me were. here from okay. the Netherlands. I'm going to go to the store right now and buy a lollipop. I'll let you know. I haven't had a lollipop in a long time. And I think today is the day I finally have another lollipop. So I hope to see you tomorrow for the end of the week as we find out if we can tie up any of the stories from earlier in our in the in the day. And uh, well, we'll see you then. Yep. Yeah, they're called suckers, too. I don't know if they call them suckers in other parts of the world. <laughs> lollipops. So we're going to get a sucker. And this is Roger United States reporting on all the news that's fit to make you upset on July 20th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons and follow our other channels Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.